It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 15th, 2012. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. My father Greg Gwynn joins me as usual. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Look forward to our discussion. Looking forward to our discussion. Looking forward to our listeners' participation. That's what we think always makes the program better. We've got some email feedback already. We're looking for some activity in the chat room. We want you to join us as we talk about what I think a little bit un- unorthodox topic. And I think one of the one of the things that, that is a little bit of weakness of what we want to talk about tonight is that we're not going to be referencing Scripture a lot. Uh, okay, but it's all based upon a scriptural instruction, and that is that we're going to go into all the world and make disciples of all men. Okay, in the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, twenty. So, we're, we're going to base our discussion tonight, Jacob, on the concept that we should be evangelistic. How do we fulfill that command? And how do we fulfill that command? Right. What's the most effective way? All right, and we do believe that we have some liberty in how we fulfill that command, but we also have some guidelines in Scripture that we have to live by, and uh, we'll. Bring up some of those as we go along. Eight I'm going to turn my phone off so it won't ring. In the okay. Middle of the program. All right. We're eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you participate, and then as well the chat room if you're listening to us on the program live tonight. You sent out some questions uh, earlier today. Yeah. Remember uh, our update list. Get on it if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put me on the list. That's all you got to say. We'll do it, and you'll get an update on Thursdays about our topic for discussion that night and some some questions that we plan to discuss. Okay. So today to our update list, we sent out these questions. Number one, give your opinion. Now, that's what I was saying, Jacob, but we're going to base this. It's going to be rather subjective tonight. Okay. What do you think? What's your opinion? What's your best judgment? Okay. Uh, give your opinion on these evangelistic methods that local churches have used. Number one, gospel meetings. Yes. We'll get into some some details here in a right. minute about that, that, that uh, lingo may be f- unfamiliar. Some of, some our, of listeners. our listeners may not even know what we mean by gospel meetings. Okay. Uh, maybe, Revival. maybe, maybe others might be more familiar with the concept of a revival meeting. Okay. Uh, that's an older term, but I don't think it's an inaccurate term or inappropriate term. Okay. Door to door campaigns. So now what do you think? Gospel meetings or revivals, door to door campaigns, door knocking, mm-hmm. radio programs or the internet. Okay. okay, I think churches use all of those and have used all of those, Which what? and we're going to talk about specifics. Okay. Number two, what's the most effective method your local congregation has ever used? Mm-hmm. In other words, give us what you think works the best. Number three, in the push to evangelize our local communities, what dangers and errors should we be aware of and avoid? Okay. And finally, how can we motivate church members to participate in the most proven effective method, that is, talking to people in their own immediate sphere of influence. All right, 877-381-4567 is the number to call tonight, and we do look forward to you joining us in the chat room if you're watching us live on our video feed tonight. All right, so uh, get in the chat room and give us your feedback. We're going to talk first about gospel meetings, Jacob. Uh, The church here at College View has gospel meetings. Yes. Most congregations of Churches of Christ have some annual preaching events that they call gospel meetings. Uh, if you're not familiar with that terminology, you might think more of a revival meeting. Uh, uh, that's fairly common notion. I think most people would understand that. Yes. What about that? We ask, the first thing we ask about them, do you think they're effective? In recent years, there's been, I, I think, an increasing uh, idea that maybe this approach is outdated, That that it that it's not doing any good, that maybe even we ought to abandon the idea of gospel meetings or revival meetings. All right. Well, that's sort of what uh, uh, Ramona in Dallas, Texas, says on her response. She says they used to be effective, but people are more busy today and don't come to them. 
You know, it is true that years ago, whenever they had such a meeting, sometimes they were held uh, in tents uh, on a vacant lot. They'd throw up a tent. Have a, they, they even called them tent meetings. Old, yes, yes. Uh, they, they throw in old-fashioned at that time, too, or was that were they in fashion at that time? They were probably in fashion. We okay. call them old-fashioned tent meetings now, no, but they were in fashion. Okay. New, new fashion. But uh, And people came, you know, uh, uh, and lots of people learned the truth and were converted to Christ mm-hmm. by, by way of those kinds of meetings. We're not seeing near that kind of response anymore. Uh, as Ramona mentioned, people don't come very much. It, we typically try to get various means of invitation out for gospel meetings. We, we print flyers. We put ads in the newspaper. Uh we try to get our own members to invite their friends and cohorts. Mm-hmm. And typically in a gospel meeting, we get a very meager return on effort. Uh, whatever effort we put forth into inviting people, very few people come. And that's led some people to say, well, maybe they've, they've lost their effectiveness. And Ramona says people are busy and they don't come. I really do think that gospel meetings, have, the, the emphasis of gospel meetings has changed. Mm-hmm. It used to be used as an outreach tool to try and evangelize the local community. I think more now gospel meetings are used as a means of edifying those who are already Christian. So I really think that the emphasis has changed, and gospel meetings are not so much an evangelistic outreach as they used to be. All right, Anthony, your thoughts on that. Anthony's behind the controls tonight. Anthony? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I... I think it, I, you can't. I don't think we can deny that the the popularity and and the the response or turnout in gospel meetings today is is uh, not what it used to be. But I don't think that's you know indicative of you know, the value of the meetings themselves. I think that's a sign of of our culture and our society at this time, um, and maybe even somewhat a sign of oversaturation. I mean. With the proliferation of denominations and um, and TV evangelists and and so forth, I think people are kind of maybe they're they're oversaturated with religious messaging and they don't feel like they need to go to a maybe, you know, to a meeting. They maybe can just turn on the TV. Maybe it's not a, a religious message. Maybe they're just oversaturated in general with television. You, well, yeah, well, that's I'm, for sure. I mean, I, I'm sure back in the old old fashioned tent days, uh, meeting days that. Uh, that uh, people came just because there was, some, there was something to do, something going on yeah, at night. I think that's true. You know, uh, and before television, uh, before uh, air-conditioned houses, uh, people would sit out. It, it would be, it would be sort of an event. They're having a tent meeting down on that vacant lot. Let's go see what yeah. they're talking about. Get your about. shoes on, kids. We're going. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, and although people may have come just out of simple curiosity, many were taught in that way, and and so times. There's just no doubt that times have changed. But I agree with what I took from part of what you said there, Anthony, that we should we should consider it a success as long as the gospel is being preached, as long as that opportunity is being afforded, even if some people don't take Even if a lot of people don't take advantage of that opportunity, at least it's out there. Chris in Atlanta... He he just barely got us. Uh, he he responded again this week. Chris yeah, always he wanted to keep his but, perfect but attendance. He wanted to keep perfect attendance, but he said he had to work late and didn't get to give us much answer. But he said uh, the main thought I had was there are lots of things churches do to attract crowds that are unscriptural. But as long as we do evangelism within God's boundaries, the number of converts we have is not nearly as important as the amount of effort we put into spreading the gospel. Our job is to sow the seed. Many techniques may not be effective in the USA, but we must try as much as we can. And if one technique does not work, try something else. We must always look for a chance to share the gospel and then do it. I think, and that, I, I think that concept, we should take satisfaction in knowing that we, we got the message out there, made it available. We need, and, and I like Chris's point in that we don't need to com, uh, focus on converts. We want converts, but uh, those that's beyond our control if we're doing our job of spreading the seed. Exactly right. Um, and uh, in the chat room, uh, Patrick in uh, Alabama says gospel meetings are pretty much only attended by people who are already in the church. Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay. Um, and it, over, I, I would say in the vast majority of people who attend gospel meetings are already in the church. Therefore, that's why I was saying I think it's sort of changed its emphasis. And okay. we use gospel meetings more to edify Christians. Uh, Phil in Newcastle, Indiana writes, yes, gospel meetings can be effective if the whole congregation owns a conviction that the meeting will really help them. Their reason for taking place needs to be well-defined and justifiable. If the reason for a meeting is little more than it's time for our spring meeting and so forth, 
it might be best to do nothing until it can be done better. Hmm. I, I like that. I, I, I would have to agree wholeheartedly with Phil. If we're not going to, if we're not going to really put our hearts into it, then, then we probably oughtn't to do it and try to figure out something we can do better than that. Okay. Uh, See anything else in the chat room we need to comment? Well, we do have some comments here. Jonathan uh, says gospel meetings can be effective, but they do require much more work to be as effective today as they used to be. Yeah, a follow-up question we ask about that is can they be changed or improved to make them more effective? And if you're in the chat room, Jonathan and others in the chat room, um, give us an idea of some things you think we could change up about gospel meetings to make them more effective. Ramona said dynamic speakers good old-fashioned meetings. Uh, it is it is true that there are some speakers that just hold a person's attention better. And if we're inviting someone to come uh, to hear the gospel preached, then we should want to have speakers who do a, a good job. Right. In other words, sort of we want to put our best foot forward. We, we wouldn't want somebody that, you know, is very boring and, and doesn't, doesn't do a very good job of public speaking i mean that's not the that's not the ultimate way to measure preaching as to how oratorical it was but but we do need to do the best job we can and have speakers that that make it listenable that's a word yeah that's that's a word okay yeah all right so i i think she's right about speakers we need to pick speakers who can do their work well she says good old-fashioned meetings we need to get back to good old-fashioned meetings yeah i I'm very sympathetic with that concept as well. That a lot of, you could interpret that a lot of different ways, but I think I know the way you're going to interpret it. Well, what do you think? I think you're going to interpret it as uh, clear, uh, definite preaching that uh, tells people what they need to do rather than some of the uh, fluffy, uh, feel-good stuff that you hear a lot of on television a lot. Well, you know me. You read my, you, you read my mind there. Uh, you know, if, it's, if we're just going to preach the kind of stuff that, that you can hear anywhere... That, uh, Anthony, you said earlier that we're oversaturated. I think we're oversaturated with this feel-good preaching, you know, and that people are not getting the meat of the gospel. What must I do to be saved kind of preaching, doctrinal emphasis. Uh, there's been a real move away from that. Even in Churches of Christ, we've seen a dramatic move away from very basic doctrinal gospel preaching, and I think it's to our detriment. I mean... If we're going to if we're not going to get out a distinctive message, then we probably shouldn't do it at all. I mean, you you if all you're going to get is what you would have got from Joel Olstein if you stayed home and watched on TV. I want to tell you Joel Olstein does better than most of the rest of us can with that kind of stuff. Oh, well, all right. Right? Yeah. And so but I, but he's not preaching the whole gospel of Christ. Okay. And so we need to we need to preach the whole counsel of God is the expression that Paul used uh, uh, in uh, when he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, by the way, that's going to be in our bullet point coming up. But we need we need that kind of basic preaching. So I'm right I'm right with Ramona on those observations. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Behind the controls, Anthony. Yeah, I think you know one thing's for sure. If we stop doing gospel meetings, then they definitely won't be effective. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but you know, I think the point that Greg just made about you know bold and distinctive preaching, and you know, is is really big. I mean, if I think in my own case, coming out of the denomination, if I had uh, first, you know, visited a, a congregation of the Lord's Church and just heard the same kind of preaching that I had heard in the Methodist Church, then I, I was like, well, why, you know, why bother? What's different? Right. That's so, the same where I am. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was the distinct difference that was was very clear that to me that made me think wow you know this is different do you think that christians today are ashamed of uh the positions that they hold and and uh try and dress up the gospel a little bit to maybe conceal their uh, maybe the... so but you know just just a couple of weeks ago jacob here at college View, i guess three weeks ago now we had our gospel meeting and we tried to we tried to get back to that and we even uh, the theme of our gospel meeting week was what makes the church of christ different right and every speaker was given an assigned topic along that general theme of what makes us different. And we got a lot of positive feedback. People were encouraged to hear that sort of thing. And so uh, to the extent that we have moved away from distinctive preaching and have watered down the message to make it, as you say, Anthony, very much like you would have heard in the Methodist Church or anyplace else, we've sold our birthright. 
Yeah. You know, there's there's no advantage to that. And so I, I think we got to, to to get back to that old kind of preaching that Ramona mentions in her email. We got to get back to that old kind of break taking here. We're over time, so okay. we're gonna do that. We get back. Uh, we ask a question: What was the best meeting that you ever attended, and uh, that you ever remember? Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Sign in. Uh, make a simple uh, comment there. If you're not signed in tonight, it's very simple to do that. And when we get back, we'll get to the door-to-door campaigns. Maybe one of the more uncomfortable uh, pro- ways to, to uh, try and spread the gospel. I think uh, that may, that sentiment may be uh, shared by some in the chat room tonight. Uh, what about the old door-to-door knocking on the doors? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College View Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. Blessed is the man who, having nothing to say, abstains from giving wordy evidence of the fact. A people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. While we are postponing, life speeds by. If you want to achieve excellence, you can get there today. As of this second, quit doing less than excellent work. You can't build a reputation on what you intend to do. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Smart people learn from their own mistakes. Smarter people learn from the mistakes of others. Going to church regularly is like making a path in the forest. The oftener you use it, the less obstruction you'll find in the way. Man, I wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the the program tonight as we talk about evangelism and what works and what doesn't work. And we've talked about gospel meetings. And we asked the question, what is the worst gospel meeting you ever remember? And what was the best gospel meeting? Kevin in the chat room says, favorite meeting, one of the best was Don Patton's series on evidences two years ago. The next year he came to the work, work with the church here, so I guess the whole congregation was impressed. Okay. so I he, guess he got a – they're, they're listening to him every week now. All right. So I, I've never heard that series, but uh, I have heard good things about Don Patton's series on uh, evidences. That's an important theme, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't diminish the importance of that. Now, that's not, that's not necessarily distinctive doctrinal preaching. But it's necessary, especially in the world where our young people are being challenged, their faith is being challenged in the creation. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and so, you know, uh, maybe maybe that causes us to sort of modify what we were saying about the kind of preaching needed. Now, it doesn't all necessarily have to be all on the lines of doctrine. doctrine, baptism, plan of salvation, that sort of thing. The themes like that are necessary, too, because... I, I would seriously doubt that many in the denominational world are hearing hard proof evidence uh, on literal creation uh, like Don Patton would produce in in that kind of a series. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Jonathan in the chat room says, success must always be measured in effort, not results. We whittle on God's end of the stick when we focus on results. I think that's right. He mentions that they've gone to shorter meetings uh, and they theme their meetings with a deliberate focus. I'm I'm in favor of that too. We we just we've started doing that here, and I think it's going to work better. We didn't always do that. In fact, for a number of years, when we would invite preachers to come, we typically have one meeting a year where we invite different men from within driving distance, uh, a different speaker each night. Mm -hmm. 
And I used to just tell them, bring the sermon that you like best, the one you like to preach the most. And those were good sermons. But I think this year when we went to a theme and had all the speakers speak on a theme, it worked better. So maybe a, a, a concise theme. Shorter meetings, that's definitely the trend. I think there are people who would argue whether that's good, bad, uh, indifferent. Uh, I would think that probably in the busy, hectic, modern world, uh, shorter may be appropriate. You know, they used to have month-long meetings and two-week-long meetings. You know, they, they called them so-called protracted meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that fly today. Uh, pe- people have gotten pretty busy with uh, a lot of affairs of living, and, and that might be burdensome to the point of not being edifying. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we, 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 it's got to be edifying. And if, uh, we could we could have meetings that lasted for five hours a day for 25 weeks, and uh, that that would be beating the purpose. So, yeah, we don't need to do things uh, that, that would not be edifying. All right. Uh, Ramona in Texas says, best meeting I remember was back when I was a little girl. We were going to a small church in Fort Worth. Even the building didn't have air conditioning, and they held the meeting in a tent out beside the church. Good memories. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I can remember those kind of things, too. And I, I think part of that m- might be, you know, we tend to remember the good and not the bad about <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. You know, she didn't mention how they just sweated and swatted flies and and uh, had to you know had to fan to try and stay cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't remember that. You remember it was it was a good time to spend with with, with uh, good people. So oh, okay. All right. On to the worst meetings. Uh, Kevin in the chat room signs in with his comments. He says worst meetings are the meetings that are called at the last minute. Oh yeah, it's fall. We better call somebody. I wonder who's able to come. Yeah, I agree, Kevin. You know, there, there needs to be some specific planning about these kind of things. And if we're just going to, if we're just going to uh, <clears throat> sort of do it at the last minute, not make any significant preparation for it, uh, probably not going to be very effective. So, uh, and 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 we didn't get anybody else who was willing. I, I, I probably best. We're not going to name names. Yeah, yeah Mister uh, Brother So and So. Yeah, it was the worst gospel. I, Don't I, ever. I, 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 I could name some names okay. of some meetings that I thought were pretty sorry, but I won't. Okay. Uh, uh, but I, I, one of the things that I think is that we got to be careful about when we're trying to uh, an evangelistic outreach sort of a, a meeting, as preachers, we need to be careful to realize that we what we do very often is we preach to the choir. Mm-hmm. In other words, we assume that the listeners know what we're talking about so we don't explain ourselves. Right. Uh, you know, for instance, somebody might make, a, you know, a preacher might make a point to, and sort of laughs and says, as Nadab and Abihu about that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what he's talking about when right. he references yeah. Nadab and Abihu. But, but if we've got people visiting, we've, we've made an effort to invite them, yeah. and they're not religious people, and they don't have a working knowledge of the Bible, then that just... But right over their head, they didn't get that at all. That's a good point. And so when we're preaching in a situation where there are going to be people from the community with, without a, a religious background, uh, we, need to, we need to gear our preaching accordingly. All right. Good. Good. All right. Well, we've covered gospel meetings fairly uh, thoroughly there. I think we need to move on. Uh, Jonathan says, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. I think diversification suited to your workers' talents is the best way to go. Gospel meetings should remain one of those efforts, in my opinion. Jonathan's got a good point. Yeah, I think so, too, Jonathan. I, I like gospel meetings. I enjoy them when we have them here. I like to go and preach a gospel meeting when I have the opportunity to do so. But I, I understand that their emphasis is typically changed from what it used to be. Uh, they are not probably... If that's our only evangelistic outreach in the local community, we're probably not doing enough because those are not getting the job done in that direction very well anymore. All right. He does have. He, Jonathan does uh, follow up with the worst meeting before we move on. We once drove two hours to a meeting, arrived five minutes late, and got a 20-minute sermon. We felt like we were shortchanged. By the way, we had to drive that far to catch more than one meeting a year that wasn't our own at the time. Churches were few and far between. Yeah. I remember one time along that line going to a gospel meeting, and the preacher if I named him, most of our listeners would know him or know of him. He's passed on now, but I knew he preached sort of sermons. But it had been announced that he was going to preach on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on mm-hmm. Friday night. Okay. I thought, I'd like to hear that. Mm-hmm. And so I went. But I knew it would probably be brief. And so I actually watched my, my – I kept my eye on my watch. 
12 minutes. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Yeah, and I'm sort of like Jonathan. I felt like, you know, man, it wasn't hardly worth the drive for a 12-minute pep talk. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's go on. Door-to-door campaigns. What about door-to-door work? Uh, does it work? Uh, Phil in Indiana said, we tried to contact every home about 8,000 in our town this spring and summer. We were able to do about 5,000. Our goals were modest. We just wanted people to know about us and that we were a people trying to reach out to others. We invited to a meeting, offered a Bible correspondence course and home studies, and had some responses to each. It was great for us. Everybody could do something and enjoyed having the opportunity to do the kind of things they don't always have the opportunity to do. I think we are going to tweak the idea a bit and try it again. Interesting. Sounds like that the church there where Phil is really got behind that sort of thing. Uh, and and it, I, I thought it was interesting that he said it was great for us. They did get some responses. He doesn't mention any conversions. He said it was great for us. You know, that's one of the things. I, as Christians, we need to stay busy, and we need to feel like we have contributed to something, yeah. to, an, to a, an evangelistic effort of right. some sort or another. And so for, for the elders of local congregations, I think that, that in their planning, they need to take that into account. They need to plan things that put us to work. Just to work. You I mean, yeah, and it's, you'll, you will have success because your success is measured by your efforts. So yeah. it's, a guaranteed, and, it's a guaranteed win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I just think that's sort of true of all. Uh, uh, probably a lot of people who are listening have had the uh, situation on in, in a work-a-day job where they, they didn't have, you know, it, it didn't have – assign specific duties and the day just kind of drug on and yet you know you you know you know what am i supposed to do and what am i getting done and yet at the end of the day you feel unfulfilled and right. sort of unhappy i think that happens to christians when we don't do things that give them an opportunity to be busy interesting so let, I, us, let us know your thoughts in the chat room about knocking door to door what do you think does it work okay um uh, yeah, and uh, Ramona says, yes, they do work. My church does them with great success with the Spanish community. That's interesting. Focus on the Spanish community. Okay. Uh, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be very good at that. Uh, no habla espanol? No. Um, so yeah, Ramona says, yes. Phil says, yes. i got to tell you, my experience is different than that. I have not had good success with door-to-door work, and that may be me personally, but i I got to think that, Again, times have changed somewhat to the point that I don't think most people appreciate someone knocking on their door, a stranger knocking on their door. Part of that probably has been due to the fact that the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses have sort of worn people out with that sort of thing. So okay. if you go knocking at a door and you got a Bible in your hand, they're going to assume that you were a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon. And they don't like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons coming to their door. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to treat you rudely. I've been treated rudely. Okay. Uh, uh, in, in different, I mean, I, we, we've done a good bit of that here in this community. I've done it in other places, and I, I can tell you, I just haven't had great success with that. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm uh, I'm thinking that maybe the energy could be spent better in other directions. All right, uh, Jonathan says the nature of the community will determine the effectiveness of the door knocking effort. Kevin says we haven't done much door knocking, but have heard of some that do. Let us know your thoughts if you want to sign in about that. Uh, Jack says he didn't have success door knocking. Yeah. I, I just don't think in this day and age that, that I mean, it's going to keep us busy. And, you know, uh, that's if you get your nose bloodied, you know, you think, well, at least I, at least I took one for the team. But I, yeah. don't, I don't know the advantage of that. Uh, uh, Anthony, what do you think about the door knocking? Yeah, I think I'm surprised to hear the positive comments in the chat room about it. I mean, I'm, I think that's great, and I've known – uh, congregations who make a big effort around door knocking, and personally, I, I've kind of always thought I've never uh, had the opportunity. I guess I could do it myself, but as a group, I've never been involved in a door knocking campaign. And I think it would kind of be interesting to try personally. But I, I do agree that it's, you know, I mean, when some when I hear a knock on my door, I'm, you know, my heart sinks, and I'm like, oh boy, you know, what's the bother now? So I do agree that it's sadly in our society now, you know. It's not like the old days that we already mentioned people out on the porch and 
people are just not as hospitable and and outgoing in general they're, as they used to be. All right. So. All right. Eric says he hasn't had success. Uh, Jonathan would be curious of what folks are doing to be successful. Yeah, you know, those who, who've had good success, n- not just in being busy. I mean, we can all be busy. But if you've had success in actually setting up Bible studies and converting people through door-to-door work, you ought to write a book about that because I don't think many people are having a lot of good success. No, like you said, it's uh, it just uh, it, you feel good for having done something, but not necessarily that there were any uh, necessary results. Kevin says a re- recent preacher told me that their efforts in Florida are bringing success. The apartments they focus on are nearby. Many halfway house, drug have, rehab, recovering, down and out, those who need Jesus the most. Good. Those are, those are people we need to reach out to for sure. All right. Eric says Gary Fisher put out instructions for door knocking. He said if done regularly and effectively, you'll have more studies than you can keep up with. Maybe I'll give up too quick. Maybe yeah. I'll give up too quick. Yeah, Eric, I, I've, I've gotten that information from Gary before and um, I, I haven't been able to use it as effectively as he says he can. So maybe that may be a different person, difference in personalities. I don't know. Yeah, that, that could be. It may be his, uh, his gift, his talent. Uh, Jonathan says, I was reading that those who are successful press harder when they get a door open. Uh, does that, do they press harder to get the door open or after the door well, open? I think he's saying when, the, okay. when they get somebody to answer a door, they, they, they go hard. Their goal is not to just sell the congregation, but to actually preach the gospel to an individual before you leave, or at least set up a study to preach the gospel. In other words, I read that some folks who are more successful are pushier. Well, that's interesting because a lot of times we go to sell maybe some, a meeting or something. Maybe, we, maybe you'd be more successful to sell the gospel. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. That might be an interesting. Yeah, don't you're not trying to get somebody to come to church. You're trying to get somebody to think about their soul. All right, let's take a break. When we get back. We're going to talk about radio and internet. We got a couple other things. We're going to have to hurry along. All right, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this week's bullet point. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In Paul's final meeting with the elders at Ephesus, he challenged them, encouraged them, charged them, and warned them. He expressed his own confidence in their knowledge of God's truth and was certain that they understood the expectations placed upon them. He said, quote, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. That's Acts 20, verses 26 and 27. All who preach the gospel today should strive to accomplish the same task that Paul accomplished. Faithful preaching is not simply preaching that is free from error. While that is certainly important, more is necessary. The whole counsel of God must be proclaimed. We need more than spiritual pep talks from the pulpit. While it's essential to deal with the positive themes of God's love, grace, forgiveness, and so forth, it's also critical that we cover important doctrinal issues that are so often neglected. When brethren are not well grounded in these crucial matters, they are left vulnerable to false teachers who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. Paul warned the Ephesian elders that such false teachers were like grievous wolves and that they would not spare the flock. Acts 20, verse 29. Brethren should demand a balance of preaching that stresses indispensable truths of both a positive and negative nature. All will be encouraged by the affirmative facts of God's love and blessings, but let them also be strengthened against the assaults of the devil, whose, quote, servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15. After a typical sermon, ask yourself, did the lesson do more than merely entertain? Did I learn something? Was I stirred to greater faith and service? Was my understanding of God's word increased? Am I better prepared to live in the face of the great challenges that surround me? Can I say, as the preacher brings the lessons from week to week, that the whole counsel of God has been declared? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we will remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you can find out more about a sermon podcast there, as well as a podcast of this program at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. All right, real quickly, let's, the, we want to cover this quickly, Jake. What about radio programs? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they work? Are they beneficial? Yeah. Um, first of all, are they beneficial in the changing media environment? I don't think as many people listen to the radio as they used to. 
I don't think so. I think, there, well, I think if it, you listen to AM radio. We have even fewer. Yeah, oh, except for you know political talk radio. It's on its way out, I think, but yeah. uh, it may, there may still be. Uh, Jonathan says radio. The iPod digital media satellite radio has changed the dynamic of radio programs. Even you guys are on the internet. I guess it depends on the community and radio station you're using and its established popularity. You know, yes, I think that's right. Uh, uh, the the radio, the, the old 15 minutes of preaching on Sunday morning radio program, I yeah. think, is a waste of time. I think I, so. I don't want to be too blunt, but that's pretty blunt. I I just don't think that's getting anything out there. I don't think people are going to listen to that. In other words, it may keep the preacher busy coming up with a 15-minute recording every week. But other than that, I just don't see that it's that it's that it's going to accomplish much. Well, Eric says he's heard from several people here in Fayetteville who say they listen to our 15-minute Sunday morning program, and well, Eric does a 15-minute program. So well, there's, now, a, there's a con. There you go, a there you go, Eric. I don't mean to be putting you down. Uh, and, and Fayetteville is a small community, and, and there there be, would be more people that, typically listen to a local station in a hometown small radio, t- hometown. Yeah. I think kind of so. Place. I think it may depend on the on the. Yeah, so it may, yeah, I think you're right. It so, uh, I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> keep it, keep it up, keep it up, Eric. Keep yeah, do the good work, Eric. But right. uh, I, I, I've got to say, overall, Eric maybe have a, a unique niche there in Fayetteville, but overall, I would think that that, that the rate that that the typical radio work is probably not as effective. You know, that used to be the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that when that was sort of the cutting edge technology. Most churches wanted to have a radio program, but I, I, I got to believe that listenership is way down in most places. Maybe, but Eric, Eric is uh, he's on the front lines there, and so he thinks uh, that it is successful. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, and and I don't want to offend you, Eric. And I, and, and you may need if, to... if it works, you know, that's one thing. If it works where you are with the people you're trying to reach, do it. Then that's good. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe a yeah. blanket statement against them is. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. It okay. depends on. It depends on. What about yeah. it, Anthony? What do you yeah, think about the radio know. program? I, I, I tend to think. I mean, I actually worked at a, at a local FM station when I was a teenager, and there was like a Pentecostal program that aired every Sunday, and I just remember thinking it was just the, the strangest thing at the time. But I think a lot of older people would listen to that station, yeah. and maybe they tuned into that stuff. But um, I think as a whole, I would probably agree with Greg, but. Um, you know, I I think radio, I mean, now Internet radio or some sort of, I mean, which is not that unlike what we're doing right now, but now that might be a, a new medium. That we're yeah, doing. in the chat room, Jack says, I'd recommend we look at some online venues. Yahoo Answers is a place where you can answer questions specifically about spiritual matters. I can't measure I can't measure this success, but it is a definite way to plant seeds, especially since so many go online. We're taking the gospel to the masses. It also allows you opportunity to sharpen your skills. I've added links to the to the uh, virtual Bible study and to our congregation website on Yahoo Answers. Thank you, Jack, for that. Okay, all right. And uh, Patrick is going to disagree with us. He thinks radio is still very effective, and I okay. think it's going to depend on the person. Okay. All right. And so, uh, guest six twenty one says, "Wow, if we perceive the potential for something, uh, we take action, and the results determine our our beliefs. So if we decide in the past something has not worked, then we will not take the massive action." If we take some action and it doesn't work, we say, see, I told you it wouldn't work, which gets us poor results, which then in turn determines our beliefs. And if bad, then our perception will not be good. Then we continue down a, a downward spiral as we've already defeated ourselves. Well, you do have, you do need to have a positive attitude about what you're doing. And we do need to be careful as uh, we talk about these things. If, if, if one person listens to the 15-minute the radio program, yeah. then I that's gotta, a success. i got to apologize for my categorical comment there about radio programs please excuse me for that but again i in my experience where we are i I don't think it's working real good right here Uh, because i i've i've known of some of those kind of programs that even churches in our area have tried and and i just don't see much result of that but that's my impression so and then quickly we're going to run out of time here i didn't imagine we'd take so much time on this what about the internet I ask, are congregational websites proving to be a good outreach tool? What do you think about websites? Sign in the chat room on that. Yeah. Now, the problem with websites is there's so many. I think I think that the Internet is saturated with uh, religious material right now. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the thing. I mean, you can, you can spend a lot of time building a website yeah. and not get much traffic at all because it is, it is the, 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 that, that uh, arena is just cram-packed. Cram packed full of 
people with religious information out there. Now, there's some really good websites that I think probably don't get a whole lot of traffic. Uh, but I think I would say this. I think a congregation ought to have a website. It does, I don't know how uh, sophisticated it needs to be, but I think you need to have a presence there for, because sometimes people will be looking for you, and that's where they're going to go to look for you. Okay. They're going to look there instead of the yellow pages. You know, we all used to want to have an ad in the yellow pages. Now nobody does the yellow pages because I, I don't even look at the yellow pages. If I'm looking for something, Anthony, I get on the, the Internet and look on the website, search for something. Yeah, I agree. I think a, a, a websites for churches are very useful as far as, you know, getting a flavor for a church. If you're traveling and you're trying to find a location to go and worship um, – or you've just moved to an area and you're, you're trying to get some inform- at least some preliminary information, it's very telling what you can find on some of these websites. You can, in many cases, uh, you know, discount a congregation just based on what's on their website. Yeah, but I, I don't think uh, – would I, would I, would I propose uh, a church not having a website? Absolutely not. I think there's, there's good that comes. It, it's cheap. It's easy. And uh, you're going to get some contact. Yeah. Why yeah, not? I think so, too. What would you say are some of the things I asked? Describe good versus bad church websites. Uh, what does anything stand out in your mind, Jacob, as as being bad? Um. Well, I, I want to. I want. Uh, I want a sermon audio pu- uh, published on a on a church website. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna go to their website, I want to be able to listen to what they're preaching. Okay. All I, right. I, I think that's a prerequisite in my book. All right. Uh, you know, website construction is there's a, 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 an element of artistic ability involved. Jonathan in the chat room mentions that he builds websites for people, and he would be one to to uh, yeah. expound upon this. But I've seen some websites that I think are just so amateurish and uh, so poorly done yeah. that they they actually. And to me, it's sort of like when we used to all mail out church bulletins. If you're going to mail out a church bulletin, but the ink is all smudged and the, and it's printed cricket on the page and and but just don't send it out if you can't make it look better than that don't even print it and uh, to me that's that's my impression about a website stuck in the late 90s maybe yeah if you if you can't you know if it's if it's just poorly done i mean just just graphically and artistically it's just a mess then get somebody to help you all right anthony what do you think i mean we, yeah, we gotta get it we I gotta mean, get up to date well, yeah, and, and uh, too, I mean, appearance does, I mean, first impressions are important. So I, I agree that you've got to have some, you know, modicum of, of decency on your, your publication or your website. Jonathan says people are downloading sermons in a big way, and uh, I think that's true. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if we've commented about our stats on the virtual Bible study, but uh, you know, by, by the time our program has been in archived form, um, we uh, uh, we'll have a typical program listened to three thousand times About or 3, more. Three thousand or so, yeah. And so you know that's a lot of that's a lot of information getting out. So it works. I mean, we can use the internet as an effective tool, but make sure you're using it effectively. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we would be hypocrites if we said don't use the internet for yeah. crying out loud. And I asked specifically, do you think online programs like the virtual Bible study are effective? Ramona says an emphatic yes. She thinks that it is. Um, we hope that it is. Uh, there are several churches doing things, programs on the internet. Uh, I again would just say, we got to we got to make it as good as it can be. Uh, you know, when we started the virtual Bible study, Jacob, we were we were two of us sitting behind microphones, no video. Uh, you know, uh, we, we were just you know, and that was seven and a half years ago. We were just sort of feeling our way along. Half the time, we weren't even sure we were getting our audio out on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, and so things have improved. You've spent a lot of time and effort uh, keeping updated on the kind of equipment that makes it the best that it can be. Uh, there's more things we could do. Uh, there's obviously some expense involved. If you're going to get real sophisticated, you get more expensive. But you got to make it uh, a, a marketable uh kind of program if, pe- if you expect people to listen and to they, it. And it's not going to be something that uh, – one thing is not going to work for everybody. Right. There, are, there are people who probably couldn't stand to listen to a program like this for an hour. Right. Uh, it's, but there are some people, Ramona appears to be one of them, who this is a beneficial uh, medium. So, uh, yeah, lots of things to consider. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, 
All right. Kevin remembers the days that you were asking, are we getting out? Can you hear us? <laughs> I think we have a problem. Yeah. Hey, are we getting? Yeah. You know, it, it, we have made some progress because we don't do that very often anymore. I don't hear you say that very much. We right? still do occasionally, but not near like we did right. there in the early days of the virtual Bible study. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. and uh, you, got, you got something else before we no, go? No, let's, let's uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, real quickly, and if you're in the chat room, tell us, give us your number one thing that you think is the most effective thing your local congregation has ever done. As a local effective. outreach uh, method. The most effective thing your congregation has ever done. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Do you remember when churches taught the truth in a straightforward and direct way with no sugarcoating? Can you recall when homosexuality was plainly condemned and unscriptural divorce and remarriage was not tolerated? Can you think back to a time when you heard hard sermons on moral issues like dancing, immodest dress, and filthy movies? Do you long for a return to the kind of teaching and preaching that you heard 30 or 40 years ago? The College View Church is trying hard to maintain the same moral principles that have been associated with God's people throughout the ages. They want to hold the line against the drifting that is characterized in so many churches today. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 27% of white children, 35% of Hispanic children, and 66% of black children do not live with their biological father. 40% of children who do not live with their biological father have not even seen him in the past 12 months. 85% of children with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes, and 85% of youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. That information is via the Pre-Teen Through Teenage Parenting Action Guide. The Word of God says in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program as we talk about ways to evangelize and what works, what doesn't. Let us know your thoughts. All right. Uh, got an email from uh, from Pat in Harvest, Alabama. He says, most effective methods I've used, telecomputer and knocking on doors. So here's another vote in favor of knocking on doors. He mentions using a telecomputer, computer, Jacob. You know, that's one of those things that dials up numbers in sequence mm-hmm. and delivers a recorded message. Yeah. Lots of states have made those illegal. Now, the question arises, can we use them if, if it's against the law? I would say no. I think some people would disagree on that. But, I mean, we're supposed to go and preach the gospel. Uh, that is just a way. Well, they're not saying you can't go, but they're saying you can't go that way. Right. Uh, and I wouldn't use one in, a, in an area where there's laws that, that forbid it. And I uh, Well, Pat says they're effective. I would wonder how effective they really are. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, in the chat room, but I, I don't doubt. I don't doubt what Pat's saying. They just wouldn't be yeah. effective at my house. You know, one other. Th- I got to mention one other thing that Pat mentioned. He just gave us a brief response here. He says we should not count those converted who are spouses or boyfriend girlfriend of members. We should try to convert them, of course, but they skew the stats since they convert a hundred times more often than the norm. I got to really disagree with Pat on that. Uh, I'm going to count every convert we can make, and if they're spouses or their boyfriends, girlfriends, I'd say. Great. More power to him. Okay. Uh, uh, Jonathan says in the chat room, we have tried a bunch, even spending thousands of dollars on a single effort. And the best things we, the best thing we do and have done is always personal invites in our own immediate sphere of influence. Nothing better. I agree, Jonathan. We're going to talk about that. We've got to get to that here. That's our last question that we want to deal with. Kevin says the most effective effort that we did, put a poster with a 20 by 20 grid of empty boxes prior to a meeting. The goal, everyone write in the, in the one name, one first name in each box for the people they invited. We had the most visitors from the community that time. This was six to eight years ago. Come to think of it, we need to do this again, probably for every meeting. Created right. a little competition. All right, good. I, I like that. Good. Uh, maybe taking a little ownership in your meeting. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. I'm trying to see if we got any other emails. Ramona didn't answer that one. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a couple of things we did. Uh, one thing that we've gone to, we, we used to every summer do a vacation Bible school, mm-hmm. uh, hoping that we could invite community people to come and attend that. We got very limited response to that, and our own members kind of seemed like they were growing weary of it. The last two summers, we've taken a lead from a little church up in Deckerville, Michigan, that I've had the privilege to work with in the past. 
several years ago, they started doing a what they call Bible studies in the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a nice city park there in that small community. They arranged to use one of the pavilions, and they invite people, do a very thorough job of trying to invite people, and then conduct three, three or four nights at that pavilion mm-hmm. uh, with the idea of getting people uh, uh, informed and taught about uh, important spiritual things, but also to make the, the church known in the community. They've had great success. They've converted people as a result of their Bible studies in the park. And it's a tiny church, but they've actually had really... Percentage-wise, they've had phenomenal results, and I've been privileged to work with them several times in that effort. We tried that here for the last two summers. We've had good response, mm-hmm. and our own members have enthusiastically uh, invited people to that. That is sort of a change up on the old gospel meeting or vacation Bible school thing. Do it a little different, and we've had good results with that. Okay, it's and a not, non-confrontational right. uh, setting. Instead it's a of neutral co- setting, neutral setting. Instead it's of coming to the setting. church building, yes. come to a place in the park. Right. Okay. Anthony, your thoughts? Yeah, I would say I think I recall a congregation doing something similar, maybe not at a park, but maybe a, uh, a community center or something Public, where, again, uh, another area. neutral yeah. location with maybe a, even a question and answer thing. Like, come, you know, we're going to have an open forum question, Bible question and answer right. session. Right. And uh, I don't know how successful it was, but I thought that was kind of unique. All right. Jack in the chat room mentions a sign out in front of the church building. Uh, lettering needs to be large enough to be seen by those who drive by and not too complicated. Signage should take only two to three seconds to read. Anything more uh, is too complicated and won't be read. Uh, I agree, Jack, uh, uh, on that as well. I see some church signs, especially some of these new electronic signs. You can't read Worthless. it. Worthless. It, it, it takes too long. You, you're yep. past yeah, there before right. the thing gives you the whole uh, message. This Sunday? Oh, I'm already past that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That, yeah. that needs to be rethought right there, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you another thing we did here a couple, three years ago that we had good success with. We divided the church up into about six groups. We tried to group people who lived geographically closest together. Right. And then we... We one of the members of that group would invite the whole group to their house for a Bible study. We we went through a four lesson series of Bible studies in each of those groups, and they moved from house to house and uh, invited their friends. People came. We had we had a lot of people come for those Bible studies. It, it, it was a good result. Yeah, it was. So we, we we need to try that again. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, what, what else we're we learning here is we just need to try some things, huh? Exactly right. All right. Um. I ask, question three, in the push to evangelize our local communities, what dangers, errors should we be aware of and avoid? I didn't get any feedback on that. Uh, well, what you do you did from Chris, uh, who said uh, lots of things do churches do to attract crowds that are unscriptural. Um, and so but he just mentioned that there are a lot of unscriptural things. Yeah, I think, I think that we've got to be careful not to try to improve on the drawing power of the gospel. Getting That's gimmicky. The, yeah, don't we, you know, we, we should try different things. We should try things that, that will attract the attention of people and get them to hear the message. But we need to be careful about, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have a, a big barbecue cookout. Right. We're going to feed the crowd. And then we'll slip a little gospel in on them, you know. Yeah, yeah right. You know, there'd be, there wouldn't even be authority for doing that. Right. And it would be actually contrary to the example of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. I remember that time we dressed Anthony up in the gorilla suit and put him out by the road. That didn't work either. Yeah, and I, and I had one of those signs yeah. that I was... Yeah, you weren't, oh, yeah, yeah. But I think that was the problem, Anthony. You just weren't great at twirling that sign like yeah. some of those guys. dropping that yeah. sign. Yeah. No, seriously, I think... I think it is... Uh, I think it is... Rep- it's just downright embarrassing that uh, people are so ashamed of the gospel that they think they have to dress it up and, and try and slide it in a little bit on the side, get people to come for maybe carnal things. Maybe the, and maybe it's no, we're not doing hot dogs and hamburgers, but maybe we're maybe we've got a carnal subject. Maybe it's you know we're trying to get them to come for personal finances or yeah. Or, the, the, and know. churches do that. You know, Dave Ramsey on the yeah. radio with right. his financial right. advice. Right. There are churches that have Dave Ramsey. You know, uh, on the on their TV yeah, screen, right. you know, a, 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 what do they call that? What? A live telecast or yeah, something. Yeah. And and you know, that's just gimmicky. It's not the job of the church to be but teaching financial peace. There are so-called conservative churches that are getting in that realm, though. I well, think. And you've heard of everything from skydiving preachers who you know who, who parachute into the parking lot, yeah. fireworks, uh, pony rides. I mean. What, where, 
do we not believe that the gospel is enough that, yeah. that we have to improve upon that somewhere yeah, or another? that's a shameful. It's shameful. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, uh, Kevin Kelly says bringing them in with hamburgers is a weak invitation. And an unscriptural one. Jonathan says you convert them to what you draw them with. And I've always heard that. If you bring them in with hot dogs, they'll leave when the hot dogs are gone. And I think that's right. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh Kevin says the gospel is so much greater, and we need to we need to emphasize that. And if the people are not drawn by that, then we have to be like Jesus was. When Jesus perceived that in John six, that the people were coming for the food, he didn't feed them. In other words, he fed them one time prior to that because he had compassion on them. They'd been with him for a long time without any food, and, and in compassion he fed them. But when the next day, when he perceived that they were coming for the food instead of for the message, he didn't feed them. Yeah. He refused to draw them with food. All right. And uh, guest 621 says the, U- the United States Postal Service does an every-door direct mail in which you can make postcards, large ones, at a very inexpensive cost. If you make 10000 at once, then they look very professional. Interesting. You know, you know, that's a new thing, too, I think, that guest 621 is mentioning. I've been seeing more about that. The, the, the Postal Service is working hard to try to drum up some business because they're in financial trouble. And they're making some things more easily available, and that's a good idea, I think. All right. Uh, Jonathan says something bif- different that they're doing now is using a singing as an evangelistic event. It's been hugely successful in bringing in first-time visitors to the church, opens opportunities. We theme the singings and teach in song. Okay. All right. That's, uh, that's, he a, says that's teaching something and worth. admonishing. There you go. Teaching okay. and admonishing. Good stuff. All right. Um, all right. Quickly, we're just about out of time. The fourth question, which may be the most important one, and we're devoting the least time to it, Jacob, is, how can we motivate church members to participate in the proven most effective method, that is, talking to the people in their own immediate sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. You know, the, what we've been talking about tonight, Jacob, is ways, means, schemes, plans to reach those people out there that we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Now, we need to be reaching those people that we don't know yet. But what we know that has been proven over, 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 over again is... Our most success is with the people we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means my family members who are not yet Christians, mm-hmm. uh, my neighbors, my coworkers, uh, kids, uh, the parents of kids the, that my kids go with, uh, go to school with, uh, people that we meet at Little League Baseball. You know, our best success is going to be from the people that we know. I mean, there's no and no one can argue that it is not arguable. Uh, that's true. And Phil agrees with your conclusions. He says, I agree that nothing is better or more scriptural than this. Getting there seems to be seems to me to be a matter of growth. That is still my own personal experience. Uh, Christians just have to so walk with Christ that they begin to think and care and work like him. But that takes time and it takes good teaching, personal Bible study, prayer, reflection, encouragement, courage. And maybe some good friends who will help uh, uh, others take some new first steps. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Phil, for those thoughts. Kevin says, uh, yes, thanks, Phil. I think you're dead on, right, spot on. Kevin says, uh, it was said earlier tonight, the best invitation, one warm hand into the hand of one who needs something in their life. Uh, Jonathan says, do it. Nothing more effective to see someone they invite come. We keep a checkboard and set congregational goals for invites since we can't control the results. And we got to focus on that, and that can't be said enough. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of times we get discouraged uh, that nobody's coming or nobody's responding. Who cares? Well, I mean, doing, I, we care. We, we but, care, but we're doing but, our I work. Mean, yeah, you do your work and leave the rest to God. No, uh, Jonathan mentioned earlier, and I, I'm sure it's run off the top of the page in the chat room, but Jonathan mentioned earlier some, some teaching that Harold Comer has done on this sort of thing. And I've heard it too. He says that it's, it's statistically proven that if you make a, you'll get one person you, you, for every hundred that you reach out to. So if you want to get that one, you're going to have to talk to a hundred people. Okay. And so if you're not talking to a hundred people, you're not going to get the one. And so we got to be busier. All right. I think uh, we're about out of time. Looks like looks like we're about out of time. I think it's a worthy discussion. Again, it has not been a discussion wherein we were referencing a lot of, of uh, scripture, but we I think it is good for us to sort of join together and brainstorm about what works and what might be more effective in reaching out. That's an important part of our responsibility as Christians, going to the world, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can we excuse ourselves that uh, people just don't care anymore? Uh, no. Okay. 
I think we do that, but I don't think uh, the, the Lord's not accepting that. Excuse. All right. Anthony, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that, you know, we've got to keep trying. I think you're right. We don't need to be we don't need to get ourselves down when we feel like we're failing. We need to just keep doing the work and uh, and keep our chin up. Okay. All right. Jack mentions if we were to start with a small group of motivated members who work hard at evangelizing, we would motivate others to do the same. People need to see others working, and then they will be more apt to join and be a part. This starts a fire. I think you're right, Jack. It's it's contagious. Uh, so we need to get it started. All right. And uh, Kevin references Matthew 28, verse 19, says there's your scripture. All right. Good deal. Go Thanks, ball, everybody. Go. All right. All Thanks, right. everybody, for participating. Let's get busy. Let's do better. All right. Thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for being behind the controls, Anthony. Appreciate your help. Oh, it was a good. I really enjoyed the program tonight. And uh, thank you for joining us on the other end of the line. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you disagree with anything we've said, or if you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, or maybe just a question you'd like answered in this format, we welcome your comments anytime at questions at collegeview.com. Be making plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.